Well, the series that we're doing on Saturday night is called The Unexpected Jesus. And tonight I want to share with you a story, really just a bit of a story, about something unexpected that Jesus says to his mother. And it's found in John chapter 2, and I just want to read verses 1 through 5 to begin this evening. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I just want to stop there for a minute. Because as we think about this story, which many people know, Jesus changing water into wine, I want to pause for a minute at the beginning and just set the picture for us so that we can understand what's happening. This is a very beautiful but yet normal everyday kind of scene. It's about people going to a wedding of friends, of relatives that they've been invited to. It's Jesus and his mom and his early disciples, his friends, and they've gathered together at this wedding. But as we begin to picture this in our minds, I want us to think about Mary for a minute, the mother of Jesus, right? Because here's what I think. We always lock Mary into one type of picture, don't we? It's like she's always that kind of indescript age of, you know, somewhere between 13 and 18. She always looks the same, doesn't she? We're always picturing her with the glow and the same look on her face and the same blue sash. Okay, well, get this. This Mary is, is not that Mary. This Mary probably at this point is about 40, maybe 50 years old. Now imagine a 50-year-old Mary. I bet you never thought about that before, did you? This is a woman that's seen a lot in life. Maybe she has some gray hair. She certainly has some wisdom. She still has probably a beautiful face. You notice that Mary is always beautiful, but not too beautiful because we don't want to, you know, stare at her too long. But if she's this older woman who's maybe got, you know, some extra weight, more wisdom, more experience, think about that. Mary was a real person. And this Mary is a mother who's lived a long life. And at this point in the Gospels, we don't even hear mention of Joseph. Most likely Joseph has died. So Mary's been one who's suffered a lot and gone through a lot in her life. And here we see this picture of of their everyday life together, just kind of normal life. They come to a wedding, and a normal kind of problem arises that they've run out of wine. And, and, And in this scene, we realize that Jesus, for most of his life, lived a pretty ordinary life. We don't even know much about it, do we? All the excitement seemed to be in the beginning, when there was the angels appearing and Jesus was born and shepherds were coming and wise men and then they had to escape to Egypt and then they had to come back. But after those first three or four, maybe five years, they just settled down into everyday Galilean life of the first century where Jesus grew and he learned how to uh, be a carpenter from his father and he learned how to be a son and he had brothers and sisters and cousins around him. And here we find them at this wedding, in a situation that probably a lot of us can relate to, right? Because how many of us have had, had our mother kind of, kind of nag us? You know, she doesn't, even, she doesn't even tell him what to do. She just has to say, hey, there's no more wine. And he knows what she's really saying. He knows what she's trying to say. She's like, why don't you get involved? You, you ever had that feeling? I mean, a lot of times it comes to me, to be honest with you, as a spouse. I feel like sometimes my wife is always wanting me to jump in and help, you know? I could see us at a party, and they've run out of something, and somebody's going to go to the store. Why don't you go with them? Why don't you go with them? I'm like, why? 
They don't need another person. It's okay. You know, or I'm at a gathering and there's like somebody's car won't start. Well, why don't you go help them? Oh, why? I'm not a mechanic. I don't know. I'd really like to use this line sometime. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. But I don't think that'll work very well. But it's a natural situation, isn't it? I mean, there's a need and she wants to help. And she's like, here's my son, Jesus. He's 30 years old. He's the son of God. I mean, uh, Jesus, there's no more wine. And Jesus responds in a somewhat unusual way, doesn't he? And that's why we call it the unexpected Jesus. And the reason that Jesus responds in this way, I believe, is because a change is happening. A shift is happening. And it's a change that's happening, first of all, in a very personal and real way to Mary. You see, Mary is shifting from becoming the mother of Jesus to learning what it means to become a follower of Jesus. For when Jesus calls her woman... He uses a term that is very common. It's not disrespectful, but it's the same word that he'll use when he's addressing any woman that he encounters, perhaps the woman at the well or other women that wanted to follow him and be his disciples. I mean, it's a term of respect, but it might be like turning to your mother and saying, ma'am, instead of calling her mom or some other name. So the fact that he doesn't use a name that means mother or mom is very interesting. He treats her as he would any other woman. I think to signify that a shift is happening. No longer is she going to direct him as she once did. No longer is she going to be able to hold him as she once did as a mother. But rather, she must begin to learn how to follow him as her Lord and Savior. And this change and shift takes time for it to happen. There's another story later on where she's concerned about Jesus, uh, perhaps that he's getting off track or that his life is in danger, and, and her and some of Jesus' brothers and sisters come to where Jesus is teaching, and they stand outside the place where he is, and, and they're asking for him, and people come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you, and Jesus again responds in an unexpected way. He said, well, who are my mother and brothers? He says, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven, you are my mothers and brothers and sisters. And he's saying, look, there's a new family that's being created, a new family that's being created in Christ. And Mary, once again, is learning that she has to let go of being his earthly mother, and she must learn to become his follower. And she does follow Jesus. In fact, she's one of the only ones that is there to the very end. She's there at the cross, isn't she? In that tender moment when Jesus says to his disciple, John, will you take care of her? John, here's her mother. Mother, here's your son. And he recognizes that now his work is being completed. And I believe at some point along the way, maybe right then, Mary becomes a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, if you will. For then in the book of Acts, she's found with the disciples, mentioned by name in the upper room as they're praying for the Holy Spirit to be sent. And she's part of the early group of followers of Christ who made decisions, who prayed, who basically put together this whole thing we call Christianity. She's become a mother in the family of God, a mother to so much more than Jesus, but the early church. You see, in this moment, in this moment where she comes to Jesus as she would, as anybody would to their son, or to someone in their family, won't you please help out? Jesus clearly tells her a shift, a change is coming. And this change is going to be even bigger than just Mary changing from a mother to becoming a follower of Jesus. For Jesus knows that if he does this miracle now, things are gonna change for him. Because up until this point, he's the carpenter turned rabbi, and he has his place in society, but he's about to shift into his role as the son of man and the Messiah. And Jesus knows that if he does a miracle now, 
Things are going to change. Nothing's going to be the same. Because we often find Jesus, when he does miracles, trying to keep it quiet, trying to tell, he tells several people, right? Don't tell anyone what's happened. How many people really listen to him and follow what he says? Not many. I'm not sure if anybody does. Because anytime the supernatural power of God is released, then the word is going to get out. And Jesus knows this. And he says, listen, he's to his mother, he says, you're not going to direct me. You're not going to choose what time it is. When he says, my hour is not yet come, he says, listen, it's my hour. It's my decision. And Mary has no idea if Jesus is going to do anything or not. She just tells the servants, just do whatever he says. She's open, but she doesn't know. Jesus doesn't give her any indication that he's going to respond. And I don't believe he does so out of obedience to his mom or because she asked. I believe that Jesus is saying, I will choose my hour and I will choose my time. And this is an important shift because when this shift happens, nothing will be the same. In fact, Jesus, a little later on, right, goes back to his hometown, his own synagogue. And when he gets up to preach, people are like amazed, like, man, who is this guy? He's like, he grew up down the street. He's, he's Joseph's son. He's the carpenter boy. And now we're hearing about all these miracles, and now we're hearing about this teaching, and, and everything's changed for Jesus. And when he begins to speak and claim the authority of God, they get so angry they want to kill him. And Jesus knows that even though his message will bring life to so many it will cause others to want to kill him. And he's thinking in this moment, is this it? Is this the moment? Is this the moment that I'm going to shift from being the local carpenter turned rabbi into the Messiah, the Savior of my people? And I believe Jesus decides, yes, okay, let's do it. Here's the moment. But he's not going to do it in just some simple, ordinary way. Jesus is going to do it in a way that signals an even bigger shift. As Mary has shifted, is shifting from being a mother to becoming a follower of Christ, and Jesus is about to shift from being a carpenter rabbi to being the Messiah, the Son of God, he decides to do it in a way that lets people know the biggest shift and history change of all history changes is about to happen. He tells the servants, take the ceremonial jars. Okay, these are these big jars that are used for ceremonial hand washing. So it's not just any water that Jesus is going to take and turn into wine. He's going to take the water that the law says you have to wash your hands if you want to be clean. And the religious leaders had had all kinds of rules and regulations, so it seemed like you were constantly washing your hands. And of course, you could only wash your hands with this kind of water in these kind of jars. And every time you turned around, you were doing something that made you unclean, doing something wrong. So you had to wash your hands, or you had to wash your feet, or you had to purify yourself. And I think it's so brilliant that Jesus takes those ceremonial jugs of water and says, this water, I'm going to turn into wine. Because you know what's about to happen? We're about to change from the era of the law to the era of grace. There's about to be a shift, people, a shift from fear to freedom, from rituals and religions to a relationship with God, from death to life. And in this change, everything is going to change. He says, listen, when I change this water into wine, my whole life is going to be about changing your understanding of God and how he works. Your understanding of forgiveness is about to change. For the people up to then, if they wanted to be forgiven, they had to sacrifice animals. They had to bring before the Lord their sacrifice to atone for their sins. And Jesus is about to die on the cross and say, once and for all, this sacrifice is good. You don't have to do it anymore. Let me shift your understanding of forgiveness. And then he says, I'm going to shift your understanding of purity because you think that you're made pure by washing your hands over and over and over again. He said, no, I'm about to fill you with the new wine of the Holy Spirit that'll be the power of God to make you pure and to make you clean. 
He says, I'm about to shift your understanding of salvation because you're expecting the Messiah to come and bring you earthly salvation, to bring you freedom from the Roman government, you know, to overthrow the powers that have oppressed the people. You want economic, you know, salvation. You want political salvation. You want earthly salvation. And I'm about to shift your understanding that your salvation is going to be eternal and so much more than just what happens on this earth. But I'm about to shift your understanding of salvation to include life after death. And finally, he says, I'm going to shift your whole understanding about life. For the Jewish people, life was found in the customs, in the rituals, in the patterns that they engaged in. And Jesus said, listen, no longer will you have to find life in those rituals, in those patterns, in those regulations. But you will find life in me. New life, abundant life, is about to be found in Jesus Christ. So as Mary is undergoing this change of letting go as a mother of her son and understanding who Jesus really is, and as Jesus is about to change how he's perceived, and he's about to step into his public ministry, he does it in a way that says, listen, something new is coming. A change is coming. And water is good. The ceremonial water was good water. But Jesus said, I'm gonna change it into something even more powerful. I'm gonna change that water into wine. And I I believe that Jesus is always doing that, friends. Jesus is always at work changing and transforming, right? But maybe we can trust from this story that it's always something that's going to be better. It's always something that's going to bring more life eventually. And we can acknowledge that change is hard, can't we? Because everyone who's a parent knows about that change, that you have to shift in your roles as parents, don't you? And everyone that has parents and that watches them get older know that the roles shift, don't they? Maybe you're in the middle of a change tonight. Maybe some kind of relationship you have is shifting as a parent, as a son, as a daughter. Maybe some of you aren't in that stage of life yet, but you realize there are shifting changes in your relationships where sometimes someone who's your friend ends up shifting and becoming someone that you love and fall in love with. And on the other side, sometimes those who are lovers shift into friendship. And that can be hard too. Change in relationships is hard, isn't it? It's difficult. Changing our jobs, changing our roles, changes that affect our identity are difficult. They're hard, but they're always happening. We could almost say that shift happens, right? (laughs) You're awake. Shift happens. Change always happens. Jesus says, my father is always at work. Jesus says he is constantly making all things new. So what can we do? I mean, whether we understand it, Mary didn't understand everything that was going on. The disciples didn't know what was going to happen. The servants didn't know what was going to happen. They were told, hey, just, just pay attention to Jesus and do whatever he tells you. And it's in that moment in the story, that tiny little moment, that I find an encouragement for each one of us tonight. When we're in the midst of change, and there's a lot of change that's happening, a lot of change is happening right now in this church, in my life, in your life. There's the changes that are happening in the city of Hartford and, in the, and, and I believe all over. As change happens, the best thing that we can do is to pay attention to Jesus and do whatever he tells us to do, right? Because he's the one that is orchestrating this. So tonight, that's my prayer. That we would be honest, we'd say, look, there's change in life, it's difficult. In my relationships, sometimes in my roles and my responsibilities, But if God is working in the change, it's always to bring about something new and something more powerful. And we just need to pay attention. Maybe stay close to Jesus.
and listen for what he says. Let's pray together for a moment on that, shall we? I just want you to pray, and I just want you to maybe close your eyes or just kind of meditate however you, you do that. And just picture yourself drawing close to Jesus, to his presence. And if you're in the midst of a change, just, just maybe take a moment to pray about that with Jesus. Maybe the change doesn't feel like the right time. Sometimes I'm like, Jesus, you said my hour has not yet come. Jesus, sometimes I say to you, it doesn't feel like it's my hour. It doesn't feel like it's the right time, Jesus. What's going on? What's happening? Maybe in your change, Jesus is asking you to let go of something. Ask him for the courage to let go of that. Maybe tonight you're having a hard time accepting something that's already changed. Just ask Jesus to help you accept that which has already happened and to guide you into his future. Maybe as God is speaking to you, he's asking you to change or shift your, your um, opinion of him, what you believe about him. Maybe your shift is from believing that Jesus was this great teacher philosopher to believing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. many of us are just ready for a change so I invite you to pray into that if you just feel stuck if you feel like things need to change go ahead pray pray right now pray for God to come and change to turn your water into wine to make the shift that's needed to take you to the next level or to a new place hallelujah thank you Jesus Lord Jesus, tonight we come before you as your people, 
as the ones that you have called and the ones that you love. Lord, we have become aware tonight that we are all in transition, that things are changing around us and in us. Jesus, would you keep us close to you during these times? Draw us closer, draw us deeper into your presence, deeper into the waters of your love and of who you are. Lord, help us to pay attention to you, to listen for your voice, to watch for your movement. Lord Jesus, continue to make things new in our lives. Continue to transform us. Lord, we pray that your presence would be very close and very real to us tonight. That we might know that you are here and that we might know who you are. Jesus Christ, we love you and worship you our Lord and Savior. Amen.